everybody, and welcome back to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through the esteemed Netflix drama, The Crown. My name is Sam Chung, and today we'll be discussing the events that transpired in Season 1, Episode 9, entitled Assassins. I am joined today, as always, by my two wonderful co-hosts. First, a guy who just added Wolferton stud to his travel itinerary. It's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, how are you? Um waiting eagerly to get a vaccine so that can be my my first stop on the tour (laughs) that will be your first you have to stop at the station first and then you can go to the stud that's the only way to get there not available by 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 sea or by plane and then then you can go to the splash you got the station the stud the splash No, for all I know, it is by the sea. I have no idea where Wolferton is located. <laughs> I'm really excited. Maybe for you. boat is really the only other way to get there. I, I, I couldn't tell you. I'm really excited for you to take this trip. <laughs> also with us today, a woman who's ready to add to the legend of the horse girl. It's Carlin Greenwald. And Carlin, can I just say, I am so excited for you to guide us through this episode. Oh my God. I... It was way more intense than I remember with all its horse girl content. This is a whole other level. I'm really excited too. Because you know all about horse girls. And, you know, I have a very important question about like, who is the ultimate horse girl in this episode? Because there's, I feel like there's just so many contenders. Oh my God, there are. (laughs) You know, there's, um, there's Liz. There's um, Porchy's fiance, who apparently, if you're a Portsmouth, all you do is horse girl. So... We just, we have a lot to discuss. We do. We do. All right. But before we discuss, um, full disclaimer off the top, as always, just want to throw out here that if you came here because you're curious about whether or not the events that transpired in this episode actually happened, you, for instance, are curious if Porchy and Liz actually had a direct line to each other. Um, We don't know, but we're just going to assume that they did because we saw it in the crown and why would they lie? We want to dive right in. There's so much to talk about in this episode, and I'm really excited to get into all of it. And I believe, Carlin, you have a recap of today's episode for us. Yeah, this one was a doozy. Like, wow. Okay, so to start, we get introduced to Porchy, who is a British aristocrat who is a horse breeder, which, of course, is a job that the upper class British people do, apparently, I guess. Sure. And rumor has it, that he holds a torch for a certain lady that, of course, is none other than our Queen Elizabeth. Meanwhile, Elizabeth is uh, dealing with some love problems of her own where good old husband Philip, he he is constantly coming home, a little drunk, a lot hanging out with our buddy here, um, Mike, and she's not not totally into it, not really feeling the Mike-Philip vibes here. And so she decides to, uh, she spends a little time with Porchy where she has a horse, a racehorse, who's, I honestly, I don't remember what its name is. So I think it's something like Oreo, Orlean. I, if anyone wants to correct me throughout this episode, I'll give it a new name, but it's Oreo. And this horse is like <laughs> the greatest, it's, you know, top of the, top of the line. I think it was like a mid-length race or mid-something race. I don't know if that means like just not too long, not too short. Perfect horse here. And they're trying to decide what to do with this horse. And they decided to breed it because apparently this horse can make so much money. But like Philip, I guess he doesn't really like money or horses or Porchy because he's just like real glum throughout this episode. Just not into the horse activities at all. And everyone notices. And, you know, Porchy and Elizabeth, they apparently Elizabeth not only (laughs) likes horses, she has a passion for horses, as Margaret notes. So she's having a really great time this episode, not being queen. She's just kind of horsing around with all her horses, having a good time. Meanwhile, our buddy Winston, he's, he gets to have his portrait done for his 80th birthday. And he they hire um, a painter by the name of Sutherland, who is a modernist, which Winston, who is an avid painter himself, is like, I don't know about this. Smells like socialism. And so... <laughs> Those two get to have a very um, contentious sort of, well, you know, low-key contentious relationship as um, Winston's, like, trying to take the reins on this painting. Like, you know, backseat driver, but for painting. And you can tell this man, Sutherland is like, oh, he's not into it, but he has to just, you know, he's been commissioned. He has to listen to Winston. But, like, 
Winston's not just rambling on. He's also having problems with Antony, who straight up is like, I think you're done now. And Winston is so mad. He's not done. It doesn't matter that he's hunched over and old and like probably should have retired so many years ago. But, you know, he's got to deal with that. So basically, Elizabeth, you know, like I said, she gets to hang out with her horse. Philip's not happy about it. They end up having a fight about it. And Philip's like, do you want to go off with horse boy? And Elizabeth's like, no, you're literally the only man I've ever loved. And it obviously would have been easier with horse boy. But like, I even chose you over horse boy, even if he was like the best option for me. Like, she is adamant. Like, Philip, you are flawed, but you're my boy. They have a little dinner with Winston. And, you know, she's a little emo. Doesn't really matter what she said. They had an emo moment. Winston had an even more emo moment, though. Because when they revealed that painting, it was on BBC. Like, everyone got to everyone got to watch this thing. Paintings unveiled. It is too real. It's, it's full of, like, wrinkles and just this unflattering face. Y'all see, you'll, y'all saw the episode. It was, I personally thought it was a masterpiece, but Winston did not. And he got really mad about it. And, you know, I think it got burned. So, you know, rip to Sutherland because, you know, he tried. He really tried. And now Winston has to deal with the fact that he's old. And you know what he finally does? The man retires. The man has reached his limit. And he gets to retire. And in comes Anthony Eaton, who I guess survived his other surgery and is like not going to die immediately. We'll see how long he lasts. So that's where we left off. Thank you, Carlin. All right, where where should we start here? Do we want to start with Winston or do we want to start with the horses? I know where we need to start. We need to get down to the bottom of this mystery of whenever we see an artistic likeness of somebody in the show, is it supposed to look like the actor or is it supposed to look like the actual real-life figure? We bumped into this issue recently with the statue of Birdie that looked nothing like Jared Harris, and now I'm seeing it again in this painting that looks nothing like John Lithgow. What's going on here? Oh, I thought it kind of did look like John Lithgow, but now I don't know. Wow, now I, <laughs> I'm questioning everything I was thinking before. I don't know that it looked like John Lithgow. I mean, did you see the the charcoal? <laughs> they showed up <laughs> the charcoal picture in his sketchbook, and I was like, that doesn't even look like a person. I don't know what you're drawing. It It was a rough sketch. You got to do like, stages to this i guess the problem is like john lithgow looks kind of like generic old man which i assume is also what winston churchill looked like so are they just combining the two and just hope that hope that a person comes out with the painting i have a confession i don't really know what modernism is do either of you really know i'm thinking of modernism in cinema where like it's about hyper realism so i'm assuming it's the same movement yeah, I guess it would be the same movement. Yeah, they just, like, they wanted the really, like, banal, ugly... Like, if you were ugly, it would be shown, like, just hyper-realistic versions of everything. Like, no frills. No frills, and I don't know if Winston... I feel like Winston should have known that. Like, he clearly knows what modernism is. Well, yeah, but, I mean, he, he was apprehensive about it. Like, he yeah. was like, oh, no, not a modernist. You know what I want to know? Why did Parliament pick a modernist? <laughs> what were they trying to accomplish? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. So the original painting, Carlin, like you said, burned, lost forever. So there's really no excuse for them not to just make a painting that looks like John Lithgow, the Winston Churchill in the universe. <laughs> like they're literally making Wait. a painting from scratch. Why can't, why don't you just make it look like the in-universe Winston Churchill? Do we really think that the painting was lost forever? Like, like nobody at that unveiling took a photo of it? Well, I, there are photos of it, I think. Okay. Wait, I, do the photos look like the painting the that real we one? saw? <laughs> yeah. The real one? The real one. Like, did it, did the, I mean, I assumed the real one looked, uh, I mean, the one in the show did not look like John Lithgow. Did the real one look like the one in the show? Um, I want to say it looked like they had a slightly different face shape. Like, the real Churchill has like a, a gumdrop shaped face and John Lithgow has like a circle. <laughs> Did you just say can that I, John Lithgow's I... face is a circle? <laughs> like oval, but like, I, I guess it's ovular. But no, Churchill actually had like a gumdrop shaped face, like like flat jaw, chin, and then round. 
Can I take us on a really upsetting, like, off-topic tangent here? Uh, sure. We're, you know, we're ten minutes in. Let's let's do it. You know, you know that uh, that photograph of uh, you know former President Donald J. Trump. It's like his official like presidential photograph where he looks really angry and very unsmiling and very stern. Uh, I found out the other day that he apparently decided to pose that way because he specifically wanted to look like Winston Churchill. Like he oh. wanted to like be like giving off that same energy and here we have like winston Churchill himself being like i don't want to be giving off that energy yeah <laughs> clearly um mr trump doesn't understand modernism well he's a very big fan of winston Churchill. <laughs> among many things yeah. did you see the the story about when biden got into the oval office there was a bust of churchill that you know his predecessor had left there and he was like yeah this is not right. staying in my office yes <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> Were the British insulted about that? Or are they just like, whatever? Uh, I feel like they would probably be insulted, given that Boris Johnson is in charge. And Boris Johnson seems like he's trying to do a Winston Churchill, but he's Boris Johnson. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, but honestly, though, is there an iconic Labour Party prime minister? Like, I mean, as an American, I can't, I cannot name one like prior to this show. Now I know who Clem is. Clem's the iconic one now. Was the one from oh, Love wait, Actually Tony Labor? Blair? Is, was, he, was that a prime <laughs> minister? Yeah, to Tony Blair was, he was new Labor, but yes, Labor. Okay, that's the only one I got. I'm sorry, England. Yeah, the only Labor Party person I knew was Jerry Corbin, who I guess is like the modern Clem, because he was always just that guy who was like, I'm not in charge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the, the leader of the opposition, which which is like a much bigger deal in uh in British Parliament than it is to in like U.S. politics where you have like a legitimate legitimate figurehead of the opposing party. But yeah, I, I'm done talking about art. Let's talk about the horses. Oh, I just I would but just well, one I mean, last gonna, thing about the art. To, we're gonna have to circle back to the art because there's yeah, so much yeah. art. <laughs> there's a lot of art. Well, okay. Well, well, okay. I'm horses. less interested in the art. I, I didn't I didn't go to school in New York City like you two. <laughs> like I'm. What does that? Have I, to do I'm a art? simple man and. There's, there's no I, art I'm in Washington. But uh, yeah, the horses. I mean, like we, we, we can't just hold off on talking about this because we saw a very explicit scene of sexual congress between two horses in this episode. <laughs> and I, I don't think that's the sort of thing we can wait to talk no, about. No, we can't. Okay, here's my biggest question. So obviously when people have sex in TV, it's like mimed. Were those horses, like the real life horses, actually fucking or were they like faking it i guess you could fake i, I guess i don't I, I assume they were faking it because like i don't i don't know if they can do that i i think it might have been andy circus using motion capture <laughs> <laughs> either andy oh circus or uh they called in benedict cumberbatch to come back <laughs> oh, no <laughs> right <laughs> it was like, both of them both oh my god i i did not think they were going to go there. Like you would assume they would like cut away from that, but like, no, they had like several long shots of this. I feel like they could fake it, but I don't really want to go too deep into it. I just, wow. I mean, just wow. And you know, I, the, horses are so majestic, but somehow that scene just made horses like a little bit less majestic for me. And that's going to carry with me for the rest of my life. I just feel like it was quite the bait and switch to begin this episode with a scene where we're introduced to this mysterious former lover of Elizabeth. And we're like, oh, what, it's the other man. Where is this going to go? And then the end result was that horse scene. <laughs> God, it wasn't even them alone watching the horses. Like there were so many people there. No, yeah. and like like. F Philip started arguing with Elizabeth afterward. They got in a car, started yelling at each other. Like, I, I you know, I, we're led to believe that it probably has to do with his jealousy and insecurity. But I have to believe that it, on some level it was because he just saw two horses fucking. Yeah, it just, you know, it puts, showed, shoots off the chemicals in his brain. The two reactions to that, though, like Philip probably reacted the way like maybe we would react if we were just suddenly <laughs> thrust into like watching horses have sex. And then Elizabeth is just, she's just watching it. And you have to assume she has seen this a bunch of times before and throughout her lifetime, she will continue 
to do this because she just you know she's in the horse breeding business and like i know it's your job like for porchy who obviously is doing that so much more but i i can't imagine like how do you not laugh i don't know if you would laugh or like if you would have to look away for like the horse's privacy yeah it's it's a real it's a real rorschach test because like depending on who you ask this was even uh, this was either the churchill portrait episode or the horse sex episode you're either <laughs> one or you're the other yeah oriel definitely mvp for me in this episode how could he not be <laughs> i i mean he's had more sex than like elizabeth has on screen so no seriously has anyone there hasn't been any like on screen sex which like netflix seems to like to do except for the horses yeah which wow. which is like something i've never seen in any other movie or tv show before like I mean, yeah, of all the explicit things to show us, like that was the one that they decided like, you know what? It's it's like the it's like the equivalent of PG-13 movies getting one F-bomb, like you're allowed to do one. Like Netflix tells them, "Hey, you can do one explicit sex scene this season. You know, choose carefully." And, you know, the the writers go like, "You know what? We only got one shot at this. Let's let's give them something they're going to talk about." Oh my god. Can we talk about just like the economics of this though? Because like if I could make this much with a horse, I'd be pimping out my horse too. Like <laughs> apparently Well, isn't that every... essentially what they were doing? Yeah, it was it's it is essentially what they're doing. Like Ariel's gonna spend like the what, the next year or two just going around breeding? Like it that was my understanding of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and basically so every time he impregnates uh another horse, he's going to make so is this okay? Side note: Is this how the monarchy makes their money? What is this like? Does this money go straight I, I to thought it was, Liz? Yeah, I thought it was really strange that like Liz was like breaking down the finances of like what she's getting off this horse. Like she's like, oh yeah, you know, he, he made me so and so many pounds last year. It's like, wait, are you are you concerned about making profits? Like you're you're the queen. You don't you don't need the extra cash. She just wants to be financially independent. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So okay. So in one year, Oriole is going to impregnate forty mares at four hundred pounds each. So that means sixteen thousand pounds a year. And Liz anticipates that in his lifetime, he is going to be the father to between five hundred and six hundred horse babies. That's crazy. That is so. But many I feel children. like it could be more at the same time. Yeah. No, it is. I wonder just how often. Like, is it once a week? Once a month? How how much? Once a month, he's gonna oh, impregnate often. forty horses in a in a year. That's once. Oh, you're every, right. That's about one a week. That's okay. yeah, like one every yeah, once a week, basically. I guess I would just be wondering, like, okay, so you have one mare for sure, but like, if these are all a bunch of rich British people, wouldn't they have more than one mare? So like, could they make him like do like double triple duty to like get all the mares in one week at the one estate? I don't know. I feel like Elizabeth is not pushing this as hard as she could. I don't know how sturdy these like male horses are, but like it feels like this guy is like top notch. But like I guess if this, I don't actually know. Maybe that's too much for a horse. I mean, they oh, wow. brought three that first time because, as uh, Porchy says, very rarely does a forced tryst make a fruitful tryst. <laughs> Which like great. <laughs> <laughs> I needed that. Oh my god. To me, there's a clear problem with this episode because like five minutes ago, I told you to, I don't want to talk about art anymore. Let's talk about the horses. Now I don't want to talk about the horses anymore <laughs> at all. Like every single every single primary thread in this episode, it's just like there there is a point of saturation where I'm like, I I'm done. I, I can't take any of this anymore. But one thing that like is probably going to go under the radar that I loved was Margaret smoking on top of her horse. Like, she had, like, one hand on the rein and one hand smoking. And, like, it was the most weirdly aesthetic thing I've ever seen. I, I like to imagine that she, like, goes into, like, a soft canter while smoking on this horse. Please tell me you guys saw that. I, I, I did. didn't. What, what, like, what scene was that specifically? Like, what, So, at what I point? guess Margaret goes for a ride. She has a white horse. And she comes back into, like, little, I guess, I don't know, driveway. And she's like, you know, Porchy always hold, held a torch for you. And Elizabeth's like, nonsense. <laughs> That's not true. And then while that scene is happening, she's holding a cigarette while still on the horse. And then she just like trots uh, off. Right. 
Right, right. Okay, yeah. I think I was distracted by the repeated use of that expression, holding a torch, because I feel like I had never heard it before in my life prior to this episode, and in this episode, multiple characters utter it. Yeah, I only know it because, like, I used to watch Avatar The Last Airbender commentary, and they were like, Mako holds a torch for Korra, and that's, ah. that's it. That's the only other time I've ever heard it. All right, so Ivan, you don't want to talk about the painting. You don't want to talk about the horses. Would you like to talk about Liz and Porchy? Yes. I I mean, like, it's weird because, like, you had what could have been, like, a very intense A-plot with that whole thread. But it got, like, you know, consumed by all this other stuff going on, like like the portraits and the horses and such. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just crazy to me that it begins with, like, the reveal of, like, a, you know, former lover of Elizabeth's. And, you know, what does that mean? Is he over her? Is she over him? And, and it that like that like kind of thread never really went anywhere like aside from you know philip being insecure and jealous but you know between uh, like elizabeth and porchy herself like it seems like there were like little hints of tension but they never really blossomed into anything well here's my question did they even ever date because elizabeth's very insistent that they were friends it didn't seem to me like they had we're qualifying them as former lovers but i feel like they never had that relationship with each other and maybe they were like a little flirty, but it like was it never became anything. And I guess, yeah. I feel like at the end of the day, the only thing they have in common is horses. I mean, they're rich, I guess. And theoretically, if both their personalities are ninety percent horses, like that's a ninety percent match. <laughs> I will say, Por- Porchy seemed generally like likable and well adjusted. Like. You know, obviously, like his main thing is horses and you're either into that or you're not, you know, as you just mentioned. But otherwise, like he seemed like a pretty decent dude. Yeah. I mean, like Elizabeth says, he probably would have been a better husband. (laughs) I could see that. He seems very mild. I have a question about his fiance because his fiance is basically like, I'll marry you on (laughs) on one condition because, you know, conditions when you're proposing always turn out well. And Mm -hmm. um the condition is that you don't still have feelings for Queen Elizabeth, but like, how could it get to that point? I don't know. And they never, it's not like Elizabeth ever told Porchy that she doesn't. Like, that wasn't what's happening to their marriage. <laughs> this marriage, impending marriage is not, um, not resolved. Yeah, I don't feel, I don't feel positively about where this is going. I have a question about the fiance as well. What is a Portsmouth? Is that just her surname? Is that some specific group she's a part of? She like also did, was she American? Like I feel like she had yeah. a very American accent. Like what was her deal? She was American. Um, does she have her own horse? Does she is she just involved with horses in America? Maybe they like met through breeding networks. They probably have those. Yeah. So like, what is like is Portsmouth just like the a, a family of breeders from America that are hanging out in london and she, she's there on holiday like actual what's the deal? job i don't know i think it's a job that sounds like a job but like i don't know that much about horses like my sister used to ride very casually and i would sit in the little seating area for parents you, you would you would ride less casually with a cigarette <laughs> i as if i'm not already scared enough to ride horses and i have one hand on a cigarette while riding oh my god I have a theory that there's something called the NoHo Lunch Club, and that's just a lunch club where they just talk about horses. <laughs> oh, my God. Ugh, <laughs> oh, please. But speaking of Margaret, though, uh, just to close out that thread, I mean, not that there's much to close out, but it, it, it almost seems like there is now a rule where, like, you can have one episode where Margaret just gets tons of screen time, and then the next episode she has to be either entirely absent or have no more than two speaking lines. Yeah, that's that's very true. In that same kind of um, vein, did you guys notice that the Queen Mother was in this for like two seconds? Yes, I I missed Queen Mother. Like, why didn't she get to do anything? This is like the first episode where she doesn't really get to do like anything. Yeah, you'd think if somebody could shed some light on this alleged uh, relationship that Liz had with this guy Porchy, it would be her mother. You know what? I would bet that Queen Mother wanted her to marry Porchy. I feel like she do- she like likes Philip, but like she seems very conservative in her view her like picks for potential mates for her daughters. I want yeah, you're right. We need we need to know what is Queen Mother's take on all of this. 
you know, Winston probably definitely wanted Liz to marry Porgy because he hates Philip. So true. I, I, I'd be willing to bet that Winston was firmly in the Porgy camp. Mm-hmm. Um, although Porgy, I guess, has some drama around him too, right? Because apparently his dad, similar to Oriole, got around. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So that's why should be scandalous. why they couldn't get married. Yeah, that maybe. <laughs> like that's just why they didn't Whoa. force it. Yeah, it's real, real weird. I mean, I'm sorry. We have to go back to Winston Churchill because go ahead. There's just there's so much that happened uh, with the Winston story here, and I feel like first first off, there are so many innuendos about sitting for a painting that I didn't realize until I watched this episode. <laughs> And we can go over them maybe Wait, in greater you detail. Seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire? No, I have not, but I can imagine now. Yeah, there was just so much. <laughs> I I don't know that I felt like they didn't even leave to the imagination. It's like, are you are you trying with these lines? So that was a, a fun surprise for me. Yeah, no, for sure. They had a very singular, interesting dynamic that like I feel like Winston hasn't really had with anyone else. And you know, at first you're like, oh, this is kind of funny, and like. Winston's per- like it was very unclear if Winston actually knew anything about painting or if he's just one of those guys that like claims to know a lot about paintings and will just like talk about it over and over again without actually having like real knowledge. <laughs> he was doing so much like paint explaining to this artist. <laughs> I I got the sense that like Winston was initially frustrated that he was struggling to outquip this man cuz like, you know, obviously uh you know Sutherland was very very clever very witty and always had the exact right thing to say in every moment and i got the sense that that frustrated winston initially but then Mm -hmm. gradually grew into a mutual respect um, which winston probably doesn't experience with a lot of people in his life i had a thought about winston's painting because i feel like for most people when they go paint it's supposed to be like very relaxing and it's something that you do to kind of uh you know calm yourself but winston he sees every painting as a battle and apparently Mm -hmm. it's like a game that he needs to win. That just seems like such a stressful way to paint. That's not the Bob Ross method. And I don't feel like I would recommend this. I swear like that whole scene where he just like was so angrily trying to like imitate that one Sutherland painting. Like, sir, what are you trying to prove that like you could, that you have like the skills to do the exact same painting? I guess (laughs) like, it's just like the, what is that like paint that wine painting that people do where like they all have to paint the same portrait? It's like that, but Sutherland didn't know he was participating. That was just the tip of the iceberg. Then they literally have this moment where he's like, how many paintings do you paint a year? And Sutherland is like three or four, which makes it even worse that Winston burned one of them because like this guy only makes three paintings a year. And then Winston's like, guess how many I paint? 60. Which like, that's more than one painting a week. <laughs> I don't even write that fast and people make fun yeah. of me for that. <laughs> yeah, like what what like how can this guy pretend to be busy and overworked when he's able to knock out 60 a year? I I also love the fact that the way like the order in which they revealed how many paintings they each painted cuz like, you know, Sutherland says 3 or 4 and then like Winston's like, "Hey, you know what's even better than quality?" quantity <laughs> and just decide and then just throws out 60 as if it's something to be proud of at that point yeah his painting philosophy is um all right i guess so i did think it was interesting that so one thing that sutherland notices is that winston keeps painting this pond which we eventually learn represents this daughter that he lost and i found that to be a very deep moment for winston that you know we don't really we see the caricature of him. We don't really get to see a lot of like who he is as a person very often. And so that was an interesting moment. Yeah, I'll be honest. I I was kind of tearing up at that. Like I thought the delivery of that, it was like this really interesting like full circle they eventually got with like, y- you know, you're full of despair and him being like, you psychologist, <laughs> like, I didn't <laughs> sign up for this. And then like he ends up being correct. Yeah, I thought that was really well done. Like, wow, we got we got lots of sides of Winston today. As of today's episode, yes. I feel like this is the first time I learned his wife's name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we learned that her name is Clemmy, um, mm-hmm. which is a good thing to learn yeah. one episode before yeah. we conclude season one. Yeah, I was so happy that they finally dropped it in what will presumably be like one of her last major appearances. 
Yeah, and um, my favorite Clemmy line was when Winston uh, wakes up on his 80th birthday. She says, happy birthday, my darling old pug. Yeah. That can be a pet name that I can use now. No, that was kind of cute. Like, Winston, I'm sorry. You're old, and pugs are wrinkly, and people love them. Like, David. <laughs> you know who loves them? David. It did seem like Clemmy had the hots for Sutherland, though. Oh, it my did. God. Wait, no, that was, like, on. oh, that was great. Tall and handsome. Saturnine. A bit of a Heathcliff. A bit of a Heathcliff. Yeah, you so, go. you know, the actual lovers that were secret are going to be Clemmy and Sutherland <laughs> down the line. All right, so at the end of the episode, Winston retires for what I feel like is the third time. I don't know. I feel like I saw that in the last... Maybe it wasn't now I'm getting all these episodes mixed up, but I feel like he's definitely gone into the office it, and been like, you know everything that you need to know now. I can retire. <laughs> and then here he yeah. is. It just felt very anticlimactic. Yeah. It, the weird thing is like Elizabeth had no storyline connected to Winston. So it feels very like I imagine she just got a call one day like, hey, uh, Winston's actually retiring this time. And she's like, what? <laughs> Finally. She's like, sure. She probably wouldn't have gone to that meeting if she knew that he was going to give her that weird forehead kiss. Okay, is he allowed to do that? <laughs> yeah, that's... I mean, it seemed very paternal, but I nevertheless still felt like it would have been inappropriate given their both of their statures. Which means it really happened. <laughs> it was not something made up as a flourish for this show. That's how you know. Uh, yeah, I imagine if she knew that was going to happen, she would have been like, nope, not taking that meeting. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so so Winston's uh, successor, uh, what's his name, Anthony Eden, I, I thought it was really weird that like his car was just pulling up like right <laughs> after Winston left. Because, yeah, the whole thing just seemed so orchestrated. And then Winston decides to get out of his car, like run back to Anthony and here I was thinking he was about to give him some like sage piece of advice and some like run, good run luck. Is but very instead, generous, he just Ivan. Sh- <laughs> well, run, run by Winston standards. But anyway, like he, you know, goes over to Anthony and, you know, instead of some, you know, words of encouragement, pat on the back, good luck, he just shakes his hand and then that's it. It's over. I don't know what to make of that at all but i i do like the implication that elizabeth is still sitting in that room she's like thinking yeah i guess i gotta get anthony in here at some point and then he just walks yeah. in <laughs> right like like this is this is the prime minister regeneration scene right like where's the new one well it was strange i guess i also did find it hilarious though that like in toward the beginning of the episode when like anthony was you know making a case that winston should step down he should take over and he kept uh you know citing winston's failing health and and you know older age like as if anthony didn't just go through a much bigger health crisis than than winston did like winston you know may have been out of commission for a couple of weeks like anthony eden had to stay in the u.s because like they didn't have the right doctors in the UK and he was, you know, probably yeah. bedridden for weeks, if not months on end. And then he has the audacity come, to come back to uh, Britain, go to Winston's place and be like, you know what? You're, you're probably not feeling too well. You're under the weather. I, I should really take over for you. No, that was truly the funniest scene. Like these old men arguing about how sick they are while like both of them are falling apart. Wow, just watch two men melt in government while Elizabeth just sits there really confused. I have something that you will never see again. It's a good line out of context. Um, yes. All right, let's see what else What else we have here. So at the end of the episode, uh, just to cut back to the whole Liz, Porchy, Philip, I don't know if we can even call it a triangle. It's like a line with a dot. <laughs> it's, it's, that's really all it is. But Liz is basically like, you're the only man that I have ever loved. Can you honestly look me in the eye and say the same? And he says nothing. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that was brutal. Like he can't oh even God. like he can't even wow. lie. He can't even lie. He can't even lie. He can't even do it. <laughs> I I guess that's respectable. I don't know. Like it's amazing knowing that in real life they are still together. Like wow, she has some good forgiveness skills. I guess. I wonder if Porchy's still alive. I don't know. I guess hope you are, Porchy. I mean, he would also have to be close to 100 years old 
right? He looked the same, if yeah. not yeah, older. I mean, he was probably roughly, yeah, yeah, roughly the same age as them. Okay, so <laughs> don't know about that. Yeah, so not super optimistic that he's still alive, but maybe one of his many siblings is. So there we go. That could be something. Yeah, well, I mean, I the the whole thing with Porchy and Philip and Elizabeth just felt more unresolved than anything. Like it, it see, it felt like the beginning of a storyline that I have to imagine we're not going to get any follow up on in the next episode. It, it, it just, it created all this tension that went nowhere. And that scene with you know Philip and Elizabeth at the end was obviously you know pretty intense, but. Is this like setting the stage for like them having a rift long term? Like what what did this accomplish? Because like, you know, I already know they're still married. So like what what's being what's happening here? I don't know. I guess with these royal marriages were like you're not really encouraged to divorce. I guess you could have really long periods of time where you don't spend a lot of time together. So like you kind of informally separate, but like you don't actually separate because it's just not good for like the publicity. Part of me wishes that we had seen the actual fight. Like in the car, we get these little flashes of like the argument that they have in the car. But I feel like that was like the real argument. And I wish that we had seen that. Because the argument yeah, the argument right. that we got when they were on their tour in Australia, A plus moment. I just want more of them mm-hmm. fighting. More more tennis racket throwing. Just whatever you have in the car, just just beat them with it. I, I will say it was uh pretty brutal like seeing like because we get this scene earlier in the episode when you know philip's friend is you know dropping him off at night and they've had a wild night out and elizabeth is looking down out the window seeing her husband come home from a night of debauchery and it's like you know that that's obviously really shitty it's like you know philip's a terrible dude but like i thought it was even just more viscerally painful to see the scene later in the episode where he's getting ready and his friend is picking him up and he's just like, all right, let's hit the town. Like when it's pretty clear that like Elizabeth and Philip are, you know, kind of uh, enveloped in some tension at the, at that moment in time, just having Mm -hmm. like, you know, Mike who, you know, I call Cobb because I know him as Cobb shows up and it's like, all right, we're, 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 we're going to, you know, hit, hit the strip clubs. We're going to go to not the lunch club, but the dinner club, whatever it is they're doing. It just seems somehow even more heartbreaking to see like Philip just kind of be cavalier about like leaving Elizabeth versus just like coming home drunk at night. No, for sure. It's overall just like very, very brutal on her. Like it's one thing when like someone tries to hide their affairs, but like Philip is no. Not really. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised that Elizabeth never... I mean, I guess they're trying to apply that Elizabeth is a... She is a one-boy gal, which respectable, but like, wow. Her... I don't know if you want to call it discipline, dedication to never have, like, done anything to Philip besides hit him once with a tennis racket. Like, wow. Commendable. She attempted to hit him. Did, Did that tennis racket even land? <laughs> she hasn't even she hit him with the tennis racket. <laughs> um, yeah, an affair for her is basically just watching two horses have sex and making eye contact with another man. Did she so. even make eye contact with him? She just like oh, was like well done, Porchy. No, they definitely made eye contact at some point okay. while it was okay. happening. That's um... Do you think the eye contact was meant to be like, hey, remember when we were doing this? <laughs> I still don't think they've ever had sex. <laughs> I don't think they have either. But how can you be sure? Well, because like, because Elizabeth is so insistent on the word friend, like very dryly saying the word friend, like not even like with a single ounce of like dreaminess in her voice, just my friend. Yeah, because because if she says anything else, then suddenly like the jig is up. Okay, Ivan, is the is I guess the main. Okay, so we see most of their interactions in this episode, I feel like through the phone calls. And so there's the first phone call where she calls him and his wife having the noisiest bath. Like, <laughs> what I don't know what she's doing in there, but she's just like splashing around. Um, and he takes the phone call. I guess is that kind of why you feel that they they had this relationship? And then again, because he waited on hold for like three hours to get to her later. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there there is longing there for sure. Like, I mean, you you could even see, like, especially in that phone call scene when he had to hop off and you could actually see her disappointment, if if not devastation, um, at the Hmm. call being cut short. I wonder if it's like 
we're gonna go deep psychology here if like her longing <laughs> for him more has to do with like what he represents to her the because i think that when she's having these marital problems with philip she realizes that like she ultimately picked a very difficult life by choosing this i i guess hot greek man instead of porchy right so yeah i think there right. is probably an amount of longing there hmm she she's longing for somebody who wouldn't hurt her the way that Philip has been doing. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely buy that. Ooh, and then there was the one scene where um she like fixed her hair before she saw him. Oh yeah. I I don't think it's outlandish to suggest that they had something happen between them in the past. I don't think it's outlandish either. I just don't think that they have. <laughs> <laughs> but that is really curious if she ever did date anyone before Philip or if like that's one of those things where like, oh, nope. You cannot even make eye contact with another man until you're married. But then Margaret just got to like run off and do whatever she wanted, which like good for her. All right. I feel like we've covered most of the main plot points in this episode. Were there, was there any other stuff from this episode that either of you wanted to mention? No, I think we did it justice. Yeah. I mean, I did. Yeah. No, I'll talk about it later. Okay. Um, it's, it's a kinky crown thing. We, we can wait. I mean, let's get into the kinky crown if we don't have any more things to mention and this episode was bursting with potential oh choices um uh, so much so that i feel like i had to like lump them into categories because it's just like you mm -hmm. could list all of the horse moments for example but like there were so many that i feel like we're just going to end up lumping all the horse moments together <laughs> um and yeah. so and it's weird because i feel like they're on like an every other episode trajectory where they'll have an episode that's just like so many moments and then it, they'll give us nothing and this was fortunately for us mm -hmm. a moment that had everything so carlin uh do you want to throw out some of the contenders that you had for this episode so i think i'm gonna let you do like the really obvious ones i really want to give underdog philip trying to get mike his own direct line <laughs> that's a good one i really i like that mike and philip new otp they spend so much time together he wants a direct line and he was denied because the crown is homophobic oh i had another good um, i had another good mike and philip no, moment no. it's when he comes in and then mike is oh, like can you do oh, a spin no, for me no this is fine oh this sorry is mine. i wanted to do this sorry <laughs> ivan go for it <laughs> no yeah the, this this was my pick like i mean the spin was great too but specifically mike saying like you're beautiful or you look beautiful <laughs> yeah and then as they walk out the door i'm pretty sure like mike gives him a slap on the butt <laughs> Like I, 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 I admittedly re rewound the scene to like make sure, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Mike and Philip. Wow. The fact that there's multiple it. Mike and Philip things is just the tip of the iceberg, really. <laughs> so, so that's actually another category unto itself. Just Mike and Philip. We can lump those together. You want to lump those two together? All right. So there's Mike and Philip. Uh, Carla, what else did you have on your list? I mean, obviously we have Winston's wife. We have Clemmy and Sutherland as like their own little OTP. Definitely love them. Heathcliff moment. Wow. And then just very specifically, this is probably going to go into something more general. But the line where Winston is like, I'll be a good boy. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'll be a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> Why? But yeah. And that, that comes after Sutherland says, Since this is to be our final session, we wanted this to be all alone. <laughs> so good. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Out of context, all these like things about painting and posing and they're just, they're so suggestive. No, no that's like a, it's an, it's an established thing that like the artist and the muse is like a very like erotic thing from titanic to portrait of a lady on fire like i think the crowd knew what they were doing here they knew the vibes they were okay. giving off okay just just for for my own um kind of accounting here since we are lumping a couple of them so far we have horses we have mike and philip we have clemmy and sutherland and then clemmy and winston yeah are there other ones i feel like that's a lot um sam do you have any more i mean there's got to be Let's see, some Liz and Porchy. I feel like, have we mentioned them yet? Because I guess they can be their own category. Because they also, she actually does succeed in getting him a direct line. 
So she does she get does. him a direct line. And then there's the scene that we mentioned just a couple minutes ago where uh, Porchy's fiance is in the bath, but he takes a phone call with the queen and then basically tells Liz that he needs to go have sex on the phone call. I think that's a generous interpretation. I don't think it is. She comes out of the bath and she's like, I, Porchy, where are you? <laughs> and he's like, I have to go she now. Comes out of the, she comes out of the bath and she's like, hey, what's going on? I'm just brushing my teeth now. No, but then he gets up and he leaves. <laughs> well, no, he he is getting off the call because he does not want to arouse any further suspicion from his fiance that he still has like this deep relationship with Lilibet. Like it's clearly just him him trying not to drag it out too long so as to potentially, you know, annoy and and make the fiance jealous. No, that, no, that I was feel my like read he says I feel like he says something suggestive at the end of that phone call. And I don't know what it is, but I feel like he did. I, I'll be honest, I didn't pick up on the sexual vibes, but like I would believe it. So I guess I'll side with Ivan here. But like, if you give it to me as an option, I will consider it for the Kinky Crown Awards. <laughs> um. All right. I have uh Winston and Anthony Eden. I have oh, something yeah. that you will never see again. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yeah. I feel like we have to put that one in just for the 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 listeners because the listeners love Winston Churchill, and you know Winston's eighty now. He's not going to have that many more opportunities. I I can't believe that like. We're going to put horse bucking in and it's probably going to lose to something Winston does. <laughs> um, we don't have to put the Winston stuff in. I mean, uh, there was why some good give ones. them that low hanging fruit? There yeah. were some good ones though. Like, wow. No, specifically, we don't have to put Winston and Anthony Eden in because that was theater, but I don't think it was kink. <laughs> we'll see how many options we have. If it's over four, then I have to start um, culling down on them for our poll because Twitter only likes there being four options. It's definitely more than four. Well, he, yeah. <laughs> Let, let's shoot for eight and then we can do a bracket style. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, we're we're fast. Uh, or actually, this will be March. Yeah, we're in March Madness now. Let's see. Did we say Winston and Clemmy already? We did, right? We did. Yeah, because I had... Wait, 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 Winston and Clemmy or Clemmy and Sutherland? No, I had a Winston and Clemmy thing where Sutherland says... What's the Winston and Clemmy moment? Oh, so Sutherland says something along the lines of, I imagine there are a great number of Churchills. And then Clemmy says, yes, indeed there are. <laughs> I like how it's not like pride for children. It's that, no, I, I have been with Winston many times. <laughs> you people. <laughs> I think that's all I have. And I say all, but that's like... That's all, that's, that's all you get. <laughs> You're done. <sighs> okay, fine. But yeah, there's a, there's a hefty amount of choices here. All right, shall we just go around? Yeah. Sure. All right, I think you know mine already. It's going to be Mike and Philip. No question about it. All right, uh, Carlin, where are you going on this? I have to pick the horses. This is a singular thing. It's never going to happen again. It was just so shocking. I, I'm going with the horses. Sam is right now agonizing over whether he wants to take this the spin wheel or not <laughs> i am very i actually so part of me really does want to take it to the spin wheel because i really liked i'll be a good boy take it to the spin wheel let's go all right let's take it to the spin wheel while sam's doing that carlin what were you just holding a moment ago in my hand i mean yeah. I guess, um there's like a dreidel on my desk and um i was gonna say it like I was going to jokingly say, is that a dreidel? <laughs> and sure enough. <laughs> yeah. Like I just, my rabbi like gave me a bot, like, you know, social distancing, like got me a box of dreidels for Hanukkah and I never put them away. They were just on my desk. That would be dangerous for me. Like I'm a, I'm a total fidgeter. So like if there's anything on my desk that can be like played around with, I'll get distracted by it. Yeah. I need to clean my desk. It's, it's very cluttered right now. Can you guys can you guys see this wheel? Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know what any of the colors yeah. represent. <laughs> oh, but sorry. Sure. <laughs> um, all right. So the yellow is uh, Mike and Phil. The lighter green is horses fucking, and the darker green just says, "I'll be a good boy." Okay. Why are Why are those the three colors? They're so similar. <laughs> I mean, I did not make the wheel. I <laughs> am but a humble servant to the wheel. Okay. Okay. Please proceed. All right. Here we go. 
Moment of truth. Oh my God. <laughs> the winner is I'll be a good boy. Ah, to hell with that. <laughs> I apologize, but at the same time, this is what the people will choose, and I like that I'm seeing this the same way as the people. <laughs> you're, you're the populist candidate. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I believe that takes us to our conclusion here. Any final thoughts on season one, episode nine, Assassins? I don't know who the assassin was supposed to be, but they never showed up. That's fine. Disappointment. Uh, there was the one. So the assassin came from Clemmy telling Winston that Sutherland was not an assassin. But then he he wasn't. Like, <laughs> no payoff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess he assassinated Winston's self-esteem. So you know what? I guess it did happen. If looks, if looks could kill, then Porchy's the real assassin. <laughs> Oof. Ivan, let's see. If people want to reach out to you on Twitter, can we officially say that the best way to do that is to reach out to the podcast itself? Uh, please, yes. Send, <laughs> send all of the angry letters there. Specifically the wolf. That, that's, how, that's how Twitter works. It's letters, right? <laughs> yes, that is correct. And um, Carlin, where can people find you on social media? Um, Twitter at Carlin Greenwald. Instagram at Carlin underscore G-E-E. All right, and you can find me at Sir Sam Chung, but the best place to reach us if you have any thoughts about the podcast, about the crown, not about the royal family so much because we're just basing this off the crown, but you know, if you have any thoughts like that, you can reach us on Twitter at crownaroundpod. Uh, you can find all of our episodes on our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash crowningaround or on any platform where podcasts are available. Coming up here at Paginated Media on Tuesdays, we have new episodes of the Outfit Repeaters and unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast. So if you're a Lizzie McGuire fan, definitely tune into that. And a week from today, we will be back recapping season one, episode 10. The season one finale. Guys, I can't believe that we have gone through an entire season of The Crown because it feels like we just started this project and now here we are at the end of season one. Yeah. This is crazy. It's wild. This has come on so fast. but And it's... we've got something really special in store for the finale. Do we? <laughs> um, Ivan, what do we have in store? No, but you, you got to do a forward plug right that. Like, I, I'm worried that there's been a lot of listeners that have stuck with us, but episode nine is going to be the one where they drop off because of all the horse fucking discussion. So we, we have to tease the finale to win them back. <laughs> okay. Well, definitely tune in to next episodes season one finale recap of the episode entitled Gloriana in which Ivan has a big surprise for everybody. So you'll definitely want to stay tuned for that. You can hold me to that. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like I'm looking forward to what this might be just as much as any listener. So you have me on the edge of my seat. But in the meantime, thank you all for listening. And we will see you next time. And God save the queen. God save, God save the, the queen. queen.